This is the Fostering Church Podcast, giving you and your church clarity about where to focus so that you can help provide more than enough for children and families in foster care in your community. Here are your hosts, Jason Johnson and Jason Weber. Hey, welcome back to the Fostering Church Podcast. I'm Jason Johnson, and I'm here with my friend, Jason Weber. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. And the Jasons are back as we continue our series, unpacking six key pillars of what an actively engaged church in foster care looks like. We've got a really fantastic episode for you today on how church leaders can recruit and disciple people in their church towards caring for children and families involved in foster care. That's right. In the last episode, we gave an overview of all six pillars, uh, just a little bit of a taste of each one of them. And in this episode, we're going to dive deep into pillar number one, recruitment and discipleship. You're going to be inspired to engage those in your church more passionately, and you'll be equipped to disciple them more effectively. That's right. But before we dive in, Jason, you know, I always have a very important question for you, right? Always. Yeah. So here it is. Have you ever beaten Super Mario Brothers and rescued the princess from the fireball breathing dragon? Uh, No. You know, I had a friend who had Nintendo, but, you know, we were an Atari household. Atari. Yeah. We, uh, so my grandparents had an Atari and that's where we went to play. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. Thanks. You're aging yourself a little bit. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We'd go and play Pong. (laughs) We had that too. Yeah. Before Atari. Oh, that's before Atari. Man, now we're going way back. Yeah. So you've never beaten Super Mario Brothers. No. I mean, I've, I've, I've played it plenty and fallen in plenty of pits and gotten, you know, knocked off by plenty of turtle shells, but never actually, I've never beaten it. All right. Well, look, it's very important and it's relevant, obviously, to what we're talking about today, even though it has very little to do with anything that we're talking about today. But it does bring me back to when I was around eight or nine, maybe 10 years old and completely obsessed with playing Mario. I'd stay up all night to beat the game. I'd meet up with my buddies at school and we'd ask, how far did you get? And I was just obsessed. When I was a kid playing Mario all day long, our guest today was actually living in Guatemala as a missionary kid, obviously doing far more with his life as a kid and for the kingdom and the gospel than I was by far. Yeah. Yes. So our our friend today is a guy named Gabe Forsyth. And I think you'll enjoy hearing his story of how God has led him into a position at his church where he and his team are very intentionally discipling people towards caring for vulnerable children and families involved in foster care. All right, let's go to that conversation with Gabe. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us today, Gabe. Yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. It's exciting to to be on with you guys. So, Gabe, uh, Johnson was telling me that you spent several years in Guatemala as a missionary kid, which, by the way, he was back home playing Nintendo, wasting his life away. But you were in Guatemala uh, living for the gospel. Can you? That's right. <laughs> uh, can you? Yeah. And, and playing Nintendo as well. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, can you tell us, you know, maybe a favorite memory of living there, uh, being a kid in a missionary family? Sure. Yeah. What, I mean, one of my favorite things growing up um, as a missionary kid in Guatemala was when we would host teams from the U.S. and then we would take them to Antigua, Guatemala to go shopping before they returned back to the U.S. You know, kind of we always had that as like a last day 
um, on their trip and I would help them barter in the market. So I'm like, you know, this 10 year old kid, like helping them uh, negotiate the prices down on the stuff they're buying in the market. That was my favorite. I always look forward to that. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I bet you learned some, some cool uh, tricks that you've carried with you. Uh, throughout, maybe we're actually in the market for um, our oldest is about to be 16, uh, and so we're having to car shop, which, as you all know, is not a fun experience. Maybe I need to fly to Orlando and do it with you, Gabe. Um, you probably got some good negotiation tactics. You just got to be willing to walk away. There you go. That right there is worth the entire episode. That's it. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. No, no, no. Just kidding. So, uh, Gabe, you and I have got to spend some time together. And I know that later on in life, you and your wife became foster parents and you have uh, even adopted. And so can you tell us a little bit about that journey? And I'm always curious, um, especially in your case, do you believe that on some level your experiences and what you saw and learned in Guatemala um, might have influenced your decision to foster and adopt later in life? So can you just kind of unpack how that came about for you guys and, and how that journey unfolded for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think that my, my experience growing up um, in Guatemala and a different culture in a different context um, definitely influenced my openness to, to be able to step into things like that. And even, you know, um, when I was growing up in Guatemala, um, we lived right down the road from an orphanage and uh, I would often go over there to that orphanage to hang out and play with the kids as a kid. Um, and so definitely definitely had a sh- shaping uh, factor on me. Um, but then fast forward to you know, my wife and I's involvement at Mosaic and, and really the, the decision to stop and uh, to step into foster care uh, was because of the things that we were hearing and experiencing at Mosaic. So you know, seeing our lead pastor and his wife step into adopting, they adopted four kids from Ethiopia and they already had four biological kids and then they adopted four more. Hearing about their journey and, and witnessing their journey uh, had an impact on us. And then, uh, and then meeting other foster families in our church and other adoptive families. And by the time my wife and I decided to step into that, already had several years at Mosaic of of celebrating Orphan Sunday and telling stories of adoptive and foster families in our church. And so my wife and I, um, you know, we'd walk away from those Orphan Sundays and, you know, come home and, and dream and wonder together of if God might be calling us to this, what, what, what would that look like? And what exactly was he calling us to? And we knew we wanted to, to step in in some way. We led a short-term mission team for Mosaic to Honduras. And this was in 2015. Uh, we worked with an organization in Honduras called Legacy of Hope, and they, they are seeking, uh, you know, actively working to, to really pioneer the concept of foster care in Honduras. So going there and working with them and seeing what they're doing. And we, we saw on that trip how they were, they just constantly say yes. Every time um, DNOF, which is Honduran version of like DCF uh, would would come you know and say hey we've got a child can you take them they would always say yes and and so we came back really inspired from that and we're like okay the next opportunity that we have we're going to say yes and we had just completed our foster care you know licensing process and so when we got back from that trip we got the call about um, the boys that are now our sons asking if we would be willing to take them in and so we're like well we just 
saw this in Honduras, saw the guys saying yes to everything, let's say yes. And so we said yes to them and they moved in with us and we started fostering them. At that time, we didn't know, but uh, they would become our sons, you know, after several years of fostering them um, and journeying with them through their case. Uh, eventually, um, we were able to you know, step in and, and adopt them and finalize that adoption. So it was a long journey. It was a long road, but definitely a lot. You know, God used Mosaic to inspire us and to, to bring us to that place of, of saying yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Gabe, you talk about when you talk about Mosaic, which is a fantastic church um, there in Orlando. Uh, and your your role there is to oversee much of the missions and outreach there. And that includes a pretty robust foster care and adoption ministry. When you talk about how the culture of foster care got into your church, would you say that started with your pastor and his wife, uh, or did was it did it precede them? Yeah, it was it, it was definitely the combination of uh, I know our, our lead pastor and his wife's story had a major impact on our church. Um, but even prior to them stepping into adoption, we had a few families in our church already who had adopted. And and so, you know, they were the voices saying, we need to step more into this. We need to step more into this. Uh, and, and we were hearing them, but we didn't really, you know, sort of open the floodgates to that until our lead pastors stepped into their journey. And then then it was like, yeah, we, we can't not do this as a church. That's encouraging to hear that it was really a combination of both people on stage and people not on stage, just quote unquote, normal people, normal families in our church who who are doing something unique and a bit upstream, uh, you know, that other people can look around at and it makes a pretty dramatic impact. And just knowing about Mosaic and knowing about the culture there, how the gospel really cultivates a culture of justice and mercy and stepping into hard places. That's really what we're talking about here today. And another word for that might be the word discipleship. And so we talk about recruitment and we talk about inviting and engaging more people into the opportunity to care for kids and families and to support kids and families. And we hold this tension of, of recruitment, um, and then discipleship. And I know, you know, Weber, and I know that you've seen it as well. It's, it can be an exhausting task, you know, just constantly putting the call out there and constantly feeling like we're recruiting and we're putting all our efforts in and we're just not seeing the results that we want to see. And so, you know, I think what Mosaic has tapped into is really a heart and a culture of discipleship. And I want us to unpack that uh, a little bit more. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I agree completely. And I, I think um, for us, when, when we think about discipleship and recruitment, um, it starts with with the gospel. And as I look back on our journey at Mosaic, I see that as we continue to press in into a clarity of what the gospel is and what the gospel calls us to, that went hand in hand with our journey in, into adoption and foster care. This word discipleship, it's a word that we're all, we've all heard a, a million times if you've been in churches very long. Mm -hmm. But if you ask a hundred people, what does discipleship mean? Uh, you might get a lot of different answers. And mm -hmm. Johnson, what have, what's been your traditional picture of discipleship when you were coming up in the church? Well, I, I hate to admit it, but I'll be honest here. You know, I've, I grew up in a pastor's home and so church is all I've ever known. And I was actually terrified of the word discipleship because I pretty much thought that it meant I would have to wake up early a lot of mornings every week to go have coffee with some old guy and read a book at a coffee shop. <laughs> and I know that sounds awful, but 
I don't even think Jesus wants to spend time with me at 5 a.m. in the morning. He's like, dude, go back to bed. Talk to me when you're happier and nicer, right? I kind of grew up with this idea that discipleship was an event, almost, if you will. Not so much a process, but it was more of an event uh, that I needed to participate in. And, and I've since learned that, you know, as you read the Gospels and you, you see the ministry of Jesus, discipleship is a process. It, it is a lifelong process and a journey, and it takes time. Maybe that's where some of our tension lies in the foster care space, because we see the urgency and we see the need and we need people now, right? Like we don't have time to waste. Uh, and yet at the, at the same time, we don't want to rush things with people. We want to disciple them well and prepare them well, because at the end of the day, I think our goal is not necessarily more families faster, but instead it might be the right families longer the most well-discipled, well-prepared, well-supported families longer. The goal is sustainability. That's so good. That's so good, Jason. And I think when, when I think about at Mosaic, for us, it is it is that process and that journey of someone understanding the good news of the gospel, understanding our own brokenness and, and, and consequently the brokenness in our world and what Jesus has done, you know, how God has rescued us in and through the work of Jesus on our behalf, like that he has rescued our souls, that he's restored our purpose and he has redeemed our future. And so the, the process of discipleship is understanding those things. And so there's a, you know, an informational component to that, but then it's, how do you apply that to your life? How do you begin to live that? And what, what does that mean for the, the things that you're doing, the things that you value, the things that you're pursuing in life? And so for us, that that leads right into understanding missional living and understanding that, um, you know, Christ calls us to pick up our cross and follow him. And that the cross was an instrument of death that uh, Jesus took on to rescue and redeem and restore us. And then he calls us uh, to follow him in, 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 the, in the same manner, uh, to take on hard things, to be willing to step into hard stories and uh, hard realities in our world, to, to be a part of of partnering with him and rescuing, redeeming, and restoring uh, people and their stories, and ultimately that Jesus is making all things new. And so, yeah, it's a process of of people discovering that, understanding that, and then beginning applying that into their lives. And foster care and adoption is one way that we get to live that out as a church. That is so good, Gabe. And to that point, how do you guys at Mosaic and, you know, if you were sitting down with a church leader and really helping them bring clarity to this sometimes nebulous idea of discipleship, like where do we start and what does it look like? And what if it is a process and a journey, what do, what does that process and that journey look like at Mosaic? If you had a plan, which I know you guys do kind of here's where we want to move people. We want to move them from here to here very practically. What would that look like? Um, as it plays out in the life of Mosaic. So when we think about discipleship and recruitment, like our plan and for mission, missional living in general is uh, we want to mobilize, we want to equip, we want to send, and we want to support. And so I take that grid and I, and I, with my team, you know, we say, okay, let's look at foster care. Let's look at adoption. How, how do we mobilize? How do we equip? How do we send and how do we support people into that 
missional space. And you could do the same thing with, with other missional spaces, whether it's, you know, going into international missions, church planting, uh, into addressing other issues of justice and mercy. But for our purposes today, let's look at adoption and foster care. How do we mobilize, equip, send, and support into that reality? So for mobilizing, you know, we've really come to rely on a few things. Um, one is uh, over the years, uh, Orphan Sunday has been a big part of our mobilization strategy in this area. We, we've begun to, to call that Sunday Justice and Mercy Sunday, because uh, for us, we really look at it, we want to look at it in a more holistic way and understanding the 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 realities of, Jason, as you often talk about, the upstream, downstream, midstream realities of these issues in our in our culture and society, that foster care is often connected to other realities like poverty and human trafficking and prisons and all these different things. And so understanding those other justices, mercy realities. So, but that Sunday is a Sunday where we, we want to put the focus and remind our church that God's called us to this and that our heart is for orphans and vulnerable children, that our heart is to step into to things like adoption and foster care. And we give that that gospel why, and then and we talk about the, the need, and then we, we try to tell really great stories of people in our church actually doing it. We want people to to see and hear from an adoptive family or a foster family. And that's a huge part of the mobilization strategy. We want them to, to know the why and to be inspired to step in and to be able to see people that they can imitate that are already walk, walking in that. Uh, to that point, Gabe, I love how included in that is not just information, but also inspiration. You're equipping people with the why, but you're also sharing stories that are inspiring. And we often say that the, the goal of stories that you share is really to help other people see themselves in the story of, of the people that they're watching, right? So for example, if you're sharing a story of maybe a family that's got some younger kiddos that has decided to step into foster care, now you've got families maybe with younger kiddos in your church that are thinking, I don't know if it's the right time because our kids are young. Well, now they're seeing themselves in the story of someone else and they're going, wow, you know, maybe if they can do it, then we can do it too. And so I love that combination of information and inspiration. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. A great, a great example of what you're talking about is a few years ago, we told the story of a single mom um, who uh, you know was fostering that opened the doorway to where after that several other uh, single women in our church you know because they saw her story said uh, can I step into this too like we're like yes and we as a church mm. want to support you in that and so we saw a number mm. of more single women in our church begin to foster that's awesome and, and then the church come around them to to do that well you know yeah, absolutely. And so from equip, uh, then then we step into that space of like, you know, really looking at okay, if, if someone is stepping into foster care or adoption, what what do they need to know? And so we, we've offered various classes and usually what we'll do, what, what's become a, an annual rhythm for us is after that Justice and Mercy Sunday, we'll have an informational meeting where we can take them from here's the, the big picture inspiration to, OK, let's talk about your different options. Here's what adoption looks like. Here's what foster care looks like. Here's what wraparound care looks like. Here are the opportunities for you to step in and what your next step will be. So that that informational meeting following that Sunday is really critical. And that's part of the equipping process. And then depending on 
where they're feeling called to, if they're feeling called to foster care, okay, here's some classes that we offer uh, to help equip you in that journey. And then um, uh, from there, here, here are the classes that you'll have to take with the state to be licensed. And so walking alongside those um, foster parents in that journey, um, if, they're, if they are feeling called to that wraparound care, we um, have what we call care communities, uh, part of the the Promise 686 model, where uh, we are encouraging teams from our church to, to join a, a or to join a care community and to wrap around a foster family, uh, and so we'll have you know as a next step for those people uh, to take a, a training class on what a care team is and what a care team does, um, and then you know walking with them through that process of launching a care team to wrap around a foster family. So that's the equip piece, and then the send piece is. These are the things that we've offered to equip you. You've walked through that. You've learned about trauma-informed care. You've learned about the foster care system or the adoption world. Now, here's your next step. We're going to send you into that next step. If you're going into foster care, that, that's the licensing classes. If you're going into adoption, that's here's an agency and the application. Um, if you're you know, going to go into a care team and wraparound care, here's how you launch that. Here's how you uh, participate in that. The, the support piece is for us really relies on heavily on the care teams. And we've seen a lot of great things come out of that where, you know, a team of eight to 10 people are wrapping around an adoptive or foster family and committing to them to be a part of their story and a part of their journey. Um, but then we also have some other things additionally, in addition to the care communities that we offer, you know, a foster and adoptive parent support group. From time to time, we'll do like a parents' night out. In the past, you know, we've hosted things like um, webinars and things um, to just continue to support our families in that journey. And we have a team of, you know, staff and volunteers that um, are regularly connecting with and praying and and walking alongside our, our adoptive and foster families. As I listen to you, Gabe, what seems clear is just how incredible it is, how well you walk with families each step of the way from the very beginning. Is this mm -hmm. even for me? And then walking them all the way through that. Yeah. You know, when we think about like what you mentioned before about downstream and one of the biggest downstream problems we have in foster care is keeping families in it. It seems as though you guys going through this process and preparing families so well, probably, I'm guessing, uh, has an impact on things downstream and mitigate some of those, those outcomes of burnout and, and families uh, quitting because they've been prepared well and they've been supported well through the process. Could you tell us a little bit about that reality? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, life happens. And so I think you're always going to have some level of, of, of foster families transitioning out of that, you know, for, for yeah. various life circumstances. But overall, I do feel like when I when I look at our list of foster families, um, we are seeing a, a high level of retention, a high level mm -hmm. of of people sticking with it. And I, and I do think it's it has to be in part because of the community and the support. Uh, that they receive at Mosaic. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, it, we often say it, it's not necessarily because it makes the process easier, right? You're still going to encounter hard things, but when people are, are well discipled and they're really trusting in who Jesus is in the midst of hard things and they're understanding that his call to discipleship 
while it may have, you know, in modern day included going to have coffee super early in the morning with some old guy, right? It also, and mostly involved things like take up your cross and follow me, lay your life down, right? So his call to discipleship is, is difficult. And I don't know that he ever promised it would be easy, but what he did promise is this, is that as you walk with me and you experience difficulties, you will never experience those difficulties without hope or without purpose or without meaning. And I find that the discipleship process um, infuses people and keeps in front of people the truth of the gospel, that the gospel is not just what compels them into it as their why, it also sustains them in it as their why when things get hard. And, you know, to your point, uh, Weber and Gabe, you know, um, can we mitigate some of the, the lack of retention? Can we care for, prepare families so well that maybe they stick with it longer? Yeah, I think so. And then it also works like on the flip side, right? When it not only does it take care of some retention issues that we might face, it also can take care of some recruitment issues we might face. Because as you guys know, when other onlookers see families so well cared for and so well discipled and so well prepared, it, it leads them mm-hmm. to think, well, you know what? Maybe if that's how well our church is going to care for people who do this, maybe we can do it too. And so there's just so many benefits to us really being intentional about pressing these things into our people. I love that point because the reality is when we're recruiting People are responding to the picture in their head mm-hmm. of what it is. Like mm-hmm. you can, so foster care. Well, a picture comes to every person's head when you talk right. about that. From and, like a cute little baby to somebody's probably going to burn my house down. Like in everything. Yes. In between. Yes. That's right. That's right. And what you're doing at Mosaic Church is you are you are carefully curating that picture. Mm. That picture includes preparation. That picture includes support. That picture includes community. And and that changes it forever. That fundamentally changes recruitment. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Gabe, can I ask you a question? Because we undoubtedly will have those who are listening who say, wow, I wish I had a pastor like Gabe's that would preach on this and would do you know justice weekends. And um, I wish we had that kind of top down right? Opportunity. But what we often say to those who feel like they're working from the bottom up, there's so much good that you can be doing in terms of discipling and and caring for people and moving people into this. How would you encourage those who may be working more from a, a bottom up culture in their church? Years ago, when we were first getting started in this, like I said earlier, it, it definitely was people within our church, adoptive and foster parents within our church, coming to us pastors and saying, hey, have you heard of this thing called Orphan Sunday? Hey, have you heard of this thing called CAFO? You need to check it out. You need to look at it. And they're, you know, they're they're sending us the emails with with the links and they're they're encouraging us to check it out. Um, and that made a huge difference, you know. And so I think if, if those parents, those foster and adoptive parents had not pressed us and continued to press and, and send those emails and say, hey, when are we going to do an Orphan Sunday? Hey, can we do it this year? How can I help? 
I want to make this happen. And uh, we, we started doing Orphan Sunday because there was a, a particular foster mom and adoptive mom who kept sending those emails and kept calling us and saying, I want to see this happen. How can we make this happen? Um, and so then we started doing it. And then it's become an annual rhythm for us and an annual part of our strategy, you know, um, for recruiting and discipling. And um, so, yeah, so I'd encourage those that, that are on that uh, in that place. Don't give up. Uh, keep pressing in and, and keep trying to find creative ways that you could make a difference. And even coming to your pastor and saying, hey, we, you know, we have these adoptive or foster families in our church. Can I start a, a support group or can I start a, a care community for them? You know, those kind of things and, and beginning to work with your pastor uh, to help that pastor see uh, how that fits into the the. Mm-hmm the goal and mission of the church. That's so good, Gabe. And you know what keeps getting brought up throughout this series is the fact that what what most people really want from their church leadership, although sometimes they what they say they want is, you know, I want them to preach on it all the time. And it's, it's, it's always big. But I think really at the heart, what most people want who care passionately about this is just a little bit of space and a little bit of support. Just like you've said, hey, can... We have some families in our church. Can we start a support group for them? And for church leadership to say, yeah, let's let's do that. That speaks so much value to uh, those people who are passionate about it. It doesn't have to be, you know, immediately a full-blown sermon or an orphan Sunday, although it could be. But maybe what's most needed in that moment, if you're a pastor or a church leader listening to this, is just a little bit of space and a little bit of support. And that can go such a long way. For the pastor who's wondering where to start or where to go next, I would encourage them to, to, to step back and realize that it's one step at a time. You don't, don't feel like you have to do everything, that you have to step into everything, say yes to everything. Uh, you know, identify what is that one thing that you can start doing as a church. Maybe it is, hey, we're going to start doing Orphan Sunday once a year. Maybe it is we're going to start a, a support group for foster and adoptive parents. Maybe it's uh, we're going to start um, offering a parent's night out once a quarter or, or a couple times a year. Uh, don't feel like you have to do everything. What is that one thing that you can start doing now that will begin uh, to offer support and value to this conversation of adoption and foster care? Hey, Gabe, we're so grateful for your time and your inspiration, but also just your very practical insight on even a grid that we can begin to think through as church leaders, as ministry leaders to mobilize and equip and send and support our people. We're grateful for you and for the example and the ministry of Mosaic. So thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's so, so awesome being on, on this with you guys and talking about these things. It's our heart and passion. And so it's a great pleasure to be here. That church is just it, it, amazing. It's amazing what they've been able to do. Yeah, for real. Like I'm, I'm almost considering packing up my family and moving to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Only for the church, right? No other reason. Yeah, yeah, to be a part of the church. That's for sure. And, you know, they're pretty much up the road from Disney World, but that's, you know. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Super inspirational, but also very practical. And I especially loved, Jason, that four-part grid that Gabe unpacked a little bit for how they think through how they're going to mobilize, equip, send, and support 
their people. That's so helpful because again, sometimes when we think of discipleship, we say yes. And then we go, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And that was just extremely helpful for me. So if that was helpful for you as a church leader, a ministry leader, we're actually going to include a one pager PDF of that four part grid in the show notes and in the episode resources that you can download and have in your hands. And I would encourage you that maybe that's your best next step download that, sit down with your ministry team, those who might be involved with casting vision for your ministry, or maybe you're just getting started. And this is a good opportunity for you to sit down with those four and consider how does our church already do these things in other areas? And what would it look like to infuse caring for vulnerable children and families involved in foster care in this? Maybe try to set up a meeting with someone on staff or your pastor or a leader within your church. Yeah. And that four-part framework that they've come up with at Mosaic Church is uh, incredible. The The very best part about it, though, let's be honest, <laughs> is that- it, That's right. This is so good. Mobilize, equip, send, and support. It spells mess, people. It spells mess. There. <laughs> Because it is. It is. It is. There is not a more fitting acronym for being involved in church foster care ministry. Love it so much. And and you know what I love about that is that um, Gabe didn't even realize that until you pointed that out to him. He thought it was awesome. And he was actually excited to go back to his team and say, guys, you'll never believe it spells mess. We didn't even know it. Well, in addition to that PDF, we have another resource uh, that we're offering, and it's a, a short PDF that talk about these six pillars that goes deeper on all six of these pillars. It's a great outline for you to have along with you as you listen to this limited series podcast. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, we'll be here for a total of seven episodes, and, uh, and then we'll be out of here. That's right. We're just here for a short time. So if you've missed any of the previous episodes, be sure you go back and get caught up. If you're a ministry leader, I just want to encourage you, just like Gabe did so beautifully, no matter where you are, whether you're standing on stage preaching or you're doing your best to advocate from the pews or the soft, comfy chairs in most of our cases, continue to be faithful to press the gospel deeply into people and provide them just with the practical, helpful next steps they can take to demonstrate that gospel. That's discipleship. And remember, it's a process and it's a journey that takes time. So if it feels slow and it sometimes feels like it's dragging or maybe feels like the sloth at the DMV desk in that movie. I can't remember the movie. What is it, Weber? Uh, Zootopia, man. Zootopia. If it feels like discipleship feels like talking to that guy at the DMV, it's okay. It's slow. And it's a process, but in the end, we believe that it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it because what doing these things well, all six of these pillars, ultimately, uh, it's not about processes. It's not about frameworks. At the end of it all, it's about a person. Mm. It's about children in your community, families in your community that are needing, they need the church to step in. They need somebody to come alongside them and help them get to their next best step. And that's the role you play. And we pray that you will continue to play that and do it well until there's more than enough. So long till next time. This has been the Fostering Church Podcast. 
Join the Jasons and their guests for all seven episodes dedicated to helping your church provide more than enough for children and families in your community. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts so that we can help more churches help more children and families. The Fostering Church Podcast is a production of More Than Enough, a collaborative movement facilitated by the members and partners of the Christian Alliance for Orphans. For resources related to this episode, click on the podcast link at morethanenoughtogether.org. That's morethanenoughtogether.org.